This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, to the host for this edition of NBA Sound System Live, Carlin Gay and Micah Adams. Back for another episode of NBA Sound System LIVE live across the NBA global platforms. Carlin Gay alongside Micah Adams. Micah, welcome back. Fresh back from vacation, my man. Welcome back to the program, sir. I'm, I'm well rested. It's the, it's the most I've slept in, in months. It was amazing. It, 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 it must have been. It must have been brilliant because you sound refreshed. You sound like you're ready to go. And you sound like you got a ton of hot takes to get off before the start of the regular or the restart rather of the regular season feels like the start of the regular season since we've had a full offseason length break in between the last NBA game and the first one coming up uh, you and I my friend will be talking about our our 10 most pressing questions Heading into the restart of the season, uh, of course, your man Zion Williamson will kick things off, potentially knock on wood, knock on wood. He's ready to go for Thursday matchup uh, against the Utah Jazz. We'll get to that in a bit. But up first, we have Lauren Scott who will join us and uh, take us around the league with some sound right here on NBA Sound System. Lawrence, what do you got? Thank you, Carlin. Micah. You know, with this NBA restart, we want to go inside the bubble and listen to the talk in Orlando. We've seen some of the action around the scrimmages and soon the games that will count. And recently LeBron James went into some detail about what the time before heading to Orlando meant to him. Uh, Well, I mean, when the season was suspended, I got an opportunity to be home with my family uh, for the last four months. Um, Probably since I would say my freshman year of high school. Um, I think that was our last year of not traveling across America and, and, and around the world to play the game of basketball. It was the first time that I really got an opportunity to have extended time home with my family. Um, other than that, I've been traveling since I was 15 years old. Um, so that's over thir- uh, over 20 years. Um, so, you know, to just to have that, uh, you know, every day seeing my wife, seeing my kids, being home, being present, um, you know, that was um, a blessing, you know, and, um, you know, definitely, um, you know, having this experience right here. Um, you know, it feels like a, a, a big old uh, AU tournament for grown men. And, uh, you know, so you, you, you take it and you, uh, you know, you enjoy it. And, and we get to do what we love to do. And that's play the game of basketball and be with our, uh, be with our teammates and brothers. So um, it's all good. After 20 years of traveling at all levels of basketball now, LeBron James saying it's an AAU tournament for adults in Orlando and Carlin. This is really where this restart becomes interesting. Yeah, it absolutely does. Does it help or does it hurt LeBron, who is obviously a little bit uh, you know, uh, longer in the tooth uh, since those days where he hadn't had to travel as much anymore? Um, he's no longer a teenager, but... Being in one spot, being in one arena, not having to fly across the country if he does make it to the finals might help LeBron James in the long run. Mike, I know you just came back from vacation, but LeBron hasn't been traveling like you have, my friend. Yeah, well, I'm also not a world-class athlete that spends one and a half million dollars <laughs> on my body every year uh, to be the best player in the world. I, You know, it's crazy because we just saw the Lakers get off to an out- outrageous start to the season in part because LeBron 
was so well rested from not having an extended postseason for the first time in forever. So uh, you you couple those four months off with the no travel. That's a scary thought for the rest of the league. You know, you take things out east and see what the Bucks are planning for here. And Giannis Adentacumpo talking about the restart and being ready for what's to come. He was joined by the Milwaukee media on a video conference. Let's listen into some of what Giannis was talking about here before the restart. What do you feel like has happened in the four months since we've seen you play? What do you think are some of the noticeable differences to your game? First of all, we didn't have four months because we couldn't use the ranks facility. Uh, second of all, uh, obviously last game I played, I was injured. So I used this uh, four months to like get back healthy. But you, you know me, you've been around me, uh, time we tell. Um, obviously when I get on the court, you guys go and judge, you know, what new things uh, you know, I brought on the court and uh, what new things I brought that I can help my team uh, win games. Um, that's pretty much it, yeah. Yeah, so big expectations, Carlin, for both Giannis and the Bucks in Orlando. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit about that later on in the program, Lawrence. But uh, as, as Giannis said, he was injured heading into the pause. And this changed really everything potentially for the Milwaukee Bucks because they would have lost a lot more games as evidenced by the way they were playing without Giannis on the floor before this break happened. But now Giannis is back, and he is back, and only knows one speed. In these scrimmages, this dude is going like it's the NBA Finals, Michael. What, what, I mean, what's up with him? I, well, I, what's up with him is he's sending out a reminder as to just how dominant Milwaukee was uh, you know, before all this happened. I, I think that the combination of, of their little bit of a lull, uh, those last, I think they went one and four their last five games, and then couple that with sort of this long layoff, I think people have been thrown off the scent as to just how dominant these Bucks have been. And I think Giannis is just serving up a reminder of what's to come because I fully expect the Bucks to, to just absolutely lay waste. Uh, the, dude, the dude scored 30 points in 23 minutes in the last scrimmage game for the Bucks. I mean, he means business, Lawrence. Most certainly. And all of these stories where we look at what's happening in the West and in the East as it relates to this restart, do take a bit of a backseat when you look at what's happening around the world and to that end former warrior and dallas maverick harrison barnes now with the sacramento kings who had tested positive for covid 19 recently joining his sacramento teammates in orlando and he updated the sacramento media upon his arrival about the latest with both himself and his family here's harrison barnes if it's, a, if it's possible just to walk us through um, just what you've experienced with the virus um, and, and kind of what your journey was like in getting back here. We understand you were, you know, had some, you know, didn't have really any symptoms. But if, if that was the case, is it almost kind of hard to believe that, that you were really impacted by this virus when you don't really feel any symptoms? Well, uh, in my household, my wife and my mom um, also tested positive for COVID. So um, my wife was sick really sick for about a week. My mom was sick for a couple of days. So in our house, we were able to see the, the different ranges of how COVID can affect your system, how serious it is, and how important it is that, you know, wearing a mask, um, social distancing, things like that are important. So. Truly one of the great guys around the NBA, Harrison Barnes, and all best wishes to both he and his wife, Brittany, and his mom, Shirley, uh, very, very nice people, and uh, really challenges that people everywhere around the world are facing, but comes home and 
it's inside what we're talking about here is the NBA is about to restart and you always want to wish the best to the good guys especially like Harrison Barnes yeah and and it's it's the quick reminder that we always need I think sports obviously one of the biggest uh, you know escapes from the real world uh, let's not forget that even though the NBA games are going to be played this week we're going to get some sort of normalcy back in our lives as NBA fans there is a very real coronavirus pandemic going around right now uh, and affecting a lot of people around the world Harrison Barnes uh, you know as, as as you know the reporter said it's it's tough to see because he, he didn't really show symptoms but he did affect two people in his family Mike and that uh, that's where people are are sort of forgetting that yes these pro athletes may be able to bounce back but the people around them may not no i agree uh look the nba the nba might be wrapped in a bubble but the world the real world in which nba players live uh and still live right now uh are not within that bubble and i mean we've seen uh players have to leave orlando for for a variety of family reasons and emergencies and i think that uh this is just one more uh, one more uh, reason to be cautious and to stay mindful uh, that, you know, it's, it's a great thing that we're going to have basketball here in, in 51 and a half hours. But uh, there's just a lot more going on that we can't lose sight of here. So much more sound to come in the weeks ahead here on the sound system. Just wanted to make sure that uh, we were bringing in some of that conversation, guys. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next time. Appreciate it, Lawrence. Uh, you can hear Lawrence Scott, of course on sound system fc weekly uh he's not talking arsenal this week i don't think because there's not really much to talk about although if they do uh win a, a title this year in, in europe they'll be able to steal the uh, a europa league spot from our, our rivals uh spurs so maybe he, he'll uh he'll, he'll use that uh in his uh in his next podcast on sound system fc um I know you're a big, you're a big, uh, you're a big Pulisic fan, Micah. So I know you've been keeping your eye on that. the kids playing very well, very, very best, well for for Chelsea. Best American soccer player ever, right? He's it's destined football player. Excuse me. Yeah, there we go, there we go. Landon Donovan's on the phone, by the way. He has something to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into it. We are, as you said, uh, you know, just close to forty eight hours away from seeing the ball go up and the games mean something again in the NBA. So you and I have taken uh, the time to put together ten pressing questions that we have ahead of the restart. And uh, I, I guess I'll start right away. And come in hot, Micah. We've seen two different versions of two different teams in L.A. So I ask, whose approach will work better, the Clippers or the Lakers? And what I mean by that is uh, the, the Clippers have taken this nonchalant approach to the entire regular season. They've taken the uh, the mentality of their leader, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, he, he's It's a bunch of 82-game practices. And, of course, we haven't played 82 games yet, but... He's getting ready to gear up for the postseason. That's where it really matters, and that's where we'll see the best version of the Clippers. I mean, dudes are leaving the bubble to do things, uh, you know, to, to to stop off and get their favorite, you know, meal at at, at the at the local gentleman's club. Uh, <laughs> you, you got guys not, you know, and and a lot of their teams, you know, a lot of their team uh, has been able to 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 travel back to their homes and and spend times with their family, and and obviously some of that had to do with family matters, but. Uh, they're not really taking the preceding games that seriously as much as the Lakers are, where the Lakers are locked in. Like Alex Caruso's uh, family matter had 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 uh, had moved the wedding around just so Caruso could attend, and he's not even going to go to the wedding because he wants to be 
in in the bubble and battle with his team, even though they're pretty much locked into the first seed. The Lakers are going 0-30 dark, as LeBron normally does in the playoffs, and the Clippers are going to just flip the switch when we get to the postseason. And they may not even do that in the first round. They may flip the switch when they get to the Western Conference. So whose approach will work out better for both teams? I, I think it's going to be the Clippers. Look, this is this is who they've been the entire year. You and I uh, had a big argument way back in January when the Clippers seemingly weren't taking their season very seriously, and it just doesn't matter. They're so good and they're so talented uh, that I, I you know I, I regardless of the approach in Orlando, I'm just a I'm just a believer in their team. It is worth pointing out though that. At one point last week, they were without Lou Will, they were without Shamit, they were without Zubac, Marcus Morris, Patrick Beverly, and Montrezl Harrell. Throw on top of that the fact that Kawhi joined late as well, and uh, I mean it, it, it's it's literally the exact opposite of what's been going on with the Lakers. But I look, I also think that this is we've kind of seen this from LeBron's teams in the past too, where everything is so uh, intentional and, and choreographed is the wrong word, but you even hear stories that get leaked out of it. Oh, like, you know, LeBron's just being one of the guys. He didn't bring his own chef and he didn't do this or that. So I, I think that this is just sort of a caricature of sort of the personalities of, of both of these teams playing out uh, just to happen to be at the same place in Orlando. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, I honestly think this might be a bigger question for what goes on uh, moving forward outside of this bubble. Because if the way that the Clippers have approached the entire regular season, not just the bubble, but the entire regular season works out for them and they're able to win a championship, I think it, it causes uh, a lot more questions for Adam Silver in terms of how he approaches the regular season moving forward. 82 games might not be it. And I granted, obviously, you know, it, we know why it's there. It's, it's, it's going to generate a lot of money and everything else. But... If the Clippers can take a backseat the entire regular season and then turn it up for the playoffs, what makes another team stop themselves from doing so? What makes another team stop themselves from uh, sitting out their star for you know a quarter of the season just so that they're ready to go in the playoffs? I think this is a it could be a bigger problem if the Clippers are able to be successful with this model versus uh, you know what the Lakers have done, which is take the season seriously from day one. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, not every team has a two-time finals MVP that might be the best player in the league. Not every team has the second best player that finished third in MVP voting last year. Not every team has the the two guys that might be the favorite to win six men of the year. Not every team has Doc Rivers. I mean, th this team is so loaded. It's hard. Like, if you're like the Denver Nuggets, you're not going to look at the Clippers and just say, oh, we can do that too, right? Yeah, it's it's fair. I, I'm just saying that some teams might be able to. Obviously, you have to be elite to get away with it, but uh, it might not set a great precedent if if you know some teams are are taking a backseat and just making sure that they're ready to go for the playoffs. Which is, uh, you know, the regular season's already has a little bit of an issue of you know whether t players are sitting out and, and and guys are taking days off for for rest. Maybe we might have to shorten it. Maybe we have to take a look at 60 games as a regular season. Just chop off some games. Keep the same length. You could still have it in October and end it in April, but you just chop off 20 games here or there. Obviously, the owners don't want to hear that, and maybe the players don't too, but maybe we get more a more competitive regular season uh, with less players sitting out. Maybe we'll see return load management from 20 games to three games. Well, it's it's fitting that you uh, that you picked a topic 
that ends on weighing about the importance of the regular season and, and the difference <laughs> between the regular season and the playoffs because my first question uh, relates to a team that, that many think is going to be a drastically different playoff team uh, than they are in the regular season. And my big question for you about another team at West, is this it for the Houston Rockets? Wow. Uh it depends on what it means because it could mean so many different things. Is this it for James Harden's chances of winning an NBA championship uh, or, or the Rockets winning an NBA championship with James Harden as their best player? Or is this it for this version of the Rockets? Or could it be, is this it for the style of play that they play with Mike D'Antoni as their head coach? Maybe they they dig into uh, to the coaching carousel and, and pick out somebody else to try and lead this team to the promised land. I think... The way I'll answer it is this. If this this is the best chance I think Houston has as currently constructed to win an NBA championship. So yes, if that is a question, then yes, this is it for them. Everything's there for them. James Harden has never had more rest in his life heading into a playoff race. Russell Westbrook is never going to be a better uh, player in the system that he's in right now in Houston. Mike D'Antoni is never going to have uh, a, a better cast of characters um, that are that are complementary to both Harden and Westbrook than he has right now. Uh, and and, and Daryl Moore has tried as best as he can with the pieces that he's he's been given over the last couple of years to try and build a championship team. The cupboard is completely bare now going forward. So this is it. This season has to be successful for the Houston Rockets. Otherwise, uh, it is going to get completely ugly because the, the Ferrari uh, is going to need a tune-up, and tune-ups on Ferraris are not cheap. And, and that's going to be a long time before they're able to get back to sports car status. Yeah, and look, Mike D'Antoni's contract is up. Uh, I know that last year, Daryl Morey just signed a five-year contract extension. Of course, that's before all the stuff with China happened, and, and it's been... Just a, a crazy amount of turbulence in Houston uh, throughout all season long. I, I think I'm approaching it more from the I, just the idea of the Rockets and what they mean in terms of you know leaning leaning into analytics and they they do small ball and it's threes and layups and I think like you hear you hear Houston Rockets and you know immediately what that means uh, you know beyond just the name on the jersey and, and where they happen to play. I, I think that. This might be, I agree with you in the sense that it's the best opportunity for the Rockets to ultimately win and win big. But I, I also do kind of think that like this might be it in terms of Mike D'Antoni and potentially Daryl Morey getting their shot to do it their way uh, just due to just all the other stuff uh, that's gone in and on and in around Houston. I will say that it is worth pointing out that everyone on that team is basically locked in for at mm -hmm. least one, if not two, three, or four more years. They also uh, don't really have a whole lot of draft picks either. They gave away a bunch of them uh, to Oklahoma City to get Westbrook. So even if they are gonna gonna pull the Ferrari in for a tune-up, I don't even know if it would be possible uh, to just change the oils or swap out some tires. I think if any change comes in Houston, it's going to be an entirely new engine block. Yeah, it might be have to be the uh, the reconstruction from ground up, really, and and that means uh, a long wait in Houston before they get good again. A team that doesn't have to wait long before, uh, well, they're going to be good for a long time, pending really this season, in my opinion. So this is my second question: Who will get the blame if the Bucks don't 
win. And by win, I mean the NBA title. Let's face it, last two years, they've been the best regular season team in the you know in the NBA. Last year, we know what happened in the playoffs. They stubbed their toe against the Toronto Raptors going down 4-2 in the Eastern Conference Finals. This year, all excuses are out the window. They don't have to travel. Uh, Giannis is going to be healthy. They should have learned their lesson the way that, uh, you know, from, from the uh, mistakes they were, they were able to make uh, in the Conference Finals a season ago. Uh, they shouldn't be afraid of the Lakers or Clippers. They have a team that should be able to compete against either of those teams should they meet them in the Finals. And really, you would be shocked if they lose to any team in the Eastern Conference this season in the playoffs. They should be favored heading into any playoff series, regardless of the team. Last year, I think you could have made an argument for a couple of teams that would have gave them trouble. The Raptors were one of them, and they obviously knocked them out. This season, there is no team standing in their way. So who gets the blame in Milwaukee if they don't become the NBA champions this year? Well, I know who you're going to blame. You're, you're going to be the first uh, carrying the, the torch and pitchfork to come get Mike Budenholzer and probably Eric Bledsoe, right? Yeah, I, I, I thought about this long and hard because I don't want to just go out there and I know that's my brand to just crush Mike Budenholzer and, and, and everything else. <laughs> but I think he does have to get, have to, you know, he does deserve the blame. And he does deserve also credit for putting this team in a position that they're in. Because let's not, you know, let's face it. They were a, you know, bottom half of the Eastern Conference team before he got there. And now they are far and away head and shoulders above everybody else in less than two years of his work. And he, the, the players in the core, other than Brooke Lopez, is pretty much the same. Like, they, they had Eric Bledsoe before uh, when under Jason Kidd. They had Giannis under Jason Kidd. They had Chris Middleton under Jason Kidd, who were playing good basketball. Obviously, the difference is the system and then Giannis leveling up to, to the other level that is now MVP status. And that has to go, that credit has to go to Coach Bud. So I don't want to take away anything you know from, from what he's been able to do in Milwaukee. But if they can't get over the hump, then whose fault is it? It's not going to be Giannis's fault. So I, what's interesting to me about this is, yeah, you're not going to hear Giannis's name, right? The the ones you're going to hear, you're going to hear Bud, you're going to hear Eric Bledsoe, you're going to hear some Chris Middleton. It'll be everything but Giannis, which I actually, look, I, I'm not even saying that the blame should go on Giannis, but I do think it's really interesting that he not getting a free pass is not the is that's not that's not necessarily what i mean but like you compare Giannis to like lebron when he was in cleveland the first time around right and how much crap did lebron get for not being able to win in those first seven years right it, it was always on talking heads talking about lebron can't win lebron can't do this he's so great but if he really was great maybe he'd win more I don't. Th I don't hear any of that noise uh, that's being turned towards Giannis, and just given everything else going on with that team, I don't think that would even be the case if they lose. It's 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 kind of weird for someone of his stature uh, on a team this good and that's enjoyed this much regular season success. I weirdly feel like there's just not a lot of pressure on Giannis here. I think it has to go down to two things for me. And uh, the first is that we weren't expecting Giannis to be Giannis. Like Giannis won most improved player of the year. Giannis came out of nowhere to be 
uh, you know, arguably the best player in the league, whereas LeBron was the anointed one. LeBron was supposed to be the next Michael Jordan. We never put Giannis in that conversation. We haven't yet. He's not even in the Kawhi conversation. Like, he's not even in that tier of conversation right now in terms of all-time greatness. So him winning one, I think if he wins one NBA championship, people will be satisfied uh, a little bit more. You know, they, they might be able to give him a, more of a pass on his, his entire career as if LeBron had only won one championship. Uh, you know, LeBron was expected to win multiple rings. Giannis was just expected to be a nice player. He's turned into an all-time, uh, you know, great talent. But he's going to have to add that championship to his resume. I, I think that's the first thing. The second thing is he really hasn't had a horrible awful playoff series right it hasn't like any time they've lost in the playoffs when they weren't supposed to it wasn't really because he he, he you know he, he he pooed the bed like he, it was really because the the rest of the team did not live up to their expectations or do at least get to their standard of play so I, he gets a little bit of a pass for for that and the spotlight doesn't shine on him and also he plays in milwaukee where the fan base is going to be very forgiving to Giannis because they don't want to see him leave I mean, LeBron. LeBron played in Cleveland, right? I mean, we can't. You can't do the Milwaukee's a reason for the lack of pressure if we didn't do the same thing with Cleveland. I understand that he's not from Milwaukee, right? So, like, there's that hometown part of it is uh, is a little bit different here. But I don't know. But look, we're talking about the Bucks and we're talking about Giannis, so we might as well skip to my next question um, because it's about Giannis and specifically, will Giannis sign? his extension. Uh, I think that actually beyond anything that happens on the floor down in Orlando, this to me is actually the single most pressing question uh, in the entire league, uh, you know, short of will the season actually return that, you know, takes precedence over everything and, and player health and, and, and all of that. But in terms of the actual basketball component of it, whether or not Giannis will sign his extension, uh, I think looms larger than everything and the domino effect that that has on the entire rest of the league is kind of one of those generational moments that I, I, I'm not sure. Look, everyone talks about summer of 2021 and the Knicks clearing cap space and, you know, maybe Masai will try to go get him or, you know, Pat Riley taking another swing. But I'm not I'm not really sure that people have fully lined up all the dominoes that would happen if Giannis were to all of a sudden pull an Anthony Davis this offseason and say, I'm not signing my Supermax extension in Milwaukee. If he doesn't sign the Supermax extension this season, does that mean, though, that he's out of there? Does that mean that he's, in your mind, does that mean that he that is the signal that where Milwaukee has to hit the panic button, where they got to start asking for trades and, and figuring out what his value truly is? Because if he doesn't sign it, I, I don't know if that means that to me. No, I look, I look, I understand that like tr you never want to be the team that trades Giannis. You don't want to trade a back to back MVP that just turned 25 years old. But if the guy's not going to stay, we just saw what happened with the massive haul uh, that the Pelicans got for Anthony Davis. Right. We saw the massive haul that Oklahoma City got. Uh, in trades for Paul George and Russell Westbrook. If you're Milwaukee and Giannis is sitting there looking at you saying thanks but no thanks, you you just you cannot afford to take the risk uh, that you're gonna lose him for nothing, right? I, I just look, it's a lot of money too. It's as of right now, the Supermax uh, 
is slated to be five years and $253.8 million, <laughs> which is just outrageous. A starting salary of 43.8 and reaching 57.8 in the final year. That's all pending a bunch of salary cap stuff that could completely change given everything and, and, and all the lost revenue from this past season. So maybe it won't be that high. Uh, but I mean, that's an astronomical figure to turn down. And so if Giannis is going to look at that and say, you know what, thanks, but no thanks, I'm good passing on a quarter of a million dollars. How do you not, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, look in the mirror and just decide, okay, we got to get the most that we can get right now for him. I, I, I'll play the other side of that and, 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 and being in, I'll, I'll try to be Mr. Etzetokounmpo and, and, and say that if you, tu- if you turn, so say the Bucks lose this summer, right? They don't win it or this, this fall now. If they don't win the NBA title uh, and, and, you, and you have a, an opportunity to put the pressure on the front office and not bail them out by signing that long-term deal, which you can sign, if I'm not mistaken, next season, right? It's the same thing, right? He, he'll be able yeah, to sign the exact is. same contracts next summer. So you can put the pressure on the front office by signing, uh, by not signing it this year to try and improve the team even more, uh, however they're going to figure it out, but prove the team even more than they have over the last two years. I would try to do that if I'm Giannis. So that's why I'm saying I'm not completely out on uh, you know, at Tetokounmpo, if they, he doesn't sign the Supermax this year. Because, again, he could sign the exact same contract next year, and maybe he wants to put some pressure on the front office and say, hey, we weren't good enough again for the second season in a row where we should have won. Go out and get me some guys, one piece here or there. Spend the extra money. Go into the tax as much as you can go into. I know we lost a lot of revenue, but I want to win, and I'm not going to sign until we win or until you prove to me that you're committed to winning, not just for this season, but for the next five years of my career. Go out and spend the money, and, and I won't sign until you do that. What, what if what if that's the case for Giannis? But the, the, two, tri- the two tricky parts with that are, one – Every other team would know that, right? Every single other team would look at Milwaukee and say, this is a team that's desperate. They have to offload their guys. So you're never gonna get you're never gonna get a hundred cents on the dollar for any of the guys that you would move, right? And the the other difficult part is you just signed Chris Middleton to a massive deal. You just signed Eric Bledsoe to a massive deal. You just passed on giving Malcolm Brogdon a big deal last year. So I, I just I, I think it's more complicated than that. And I think the Milwaukee's in a weird spot where I'm I'm just I'm not sure what the other chess moves would be that would actually make them better because every other team knows uh, that that they wouldn't have any leverage, right? Uh, look. Giannis is in his seventh season and he's 25 years old. LeBron James had just finished his seventh season and was 25 years old when he left for Miami. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm going to point that out there for you. Yeah, I'll say quickly before we move on to my next question. They wouldn't have the leverage either way. I mean, they would know that they would have to give up a lot to try and build a better team, and teams would know that, but they also wouldn't have the leverage if Giannis said that he wasn't coming back and they have just the one year to trade him, just like the Pelicans were in a situation where the Lakers had to give up a truckload of assets to just get Anthony Davis when he could have been there next summer anyway. So, uh, you know, lose-lose situation if Giannis doesn't resign, but that's a fascinating question heading into the bubble. Uh, my next question surrounding another star another MVP candidate uh, and Luka Doncic and where will we stand on Luka after the bubble um, 
I am one of the biggest fans of Luka Doncic, and I uh, and you know, Micah, when I go watch a player play FIBA live or do any of their games, <laughs> I come back falling in love with them. I, for one, thought that Thomas Sadoransky would have been the most improved player in the NBA <laughs> headed into this season. He let me down after his performance at the FIBA World Cup. Uh, Luka Doncic, I saw him play for Slovenia the year that they won the Eurobasket. I called that. I called one of their games in the knockout stage. That was the first time I had seen Luka live. I watched him play just sitting at courtside, two more games, and I said to myself, this guy's going to be a stud in the NBA. I love Luka Doncic. And uh, right now, he's in his second season. He's already an MVP candidate. Everyone loves Luka. But how quickly we change on players. It only takes one playoff run to really start getting the naysayers out. And they've been waiting. And they are waiting patiently for Luka to stub his toe. If the Mavericks get into the playoffs and get swept and Luka looks horrible, I know the naysayers are going to be out waving the flag saying that Luka cannot get it done. So where will we stand on Luka Doncic after the bubble? Well, you you better you better have a big tank of oxygen or be able to hold your breath for a long time if you're going to wait for Luka Doncic to stub his toe in a big spot because look, you talked about the success with the Slovenian national team, but this guy's a EuroLeague champion, a EuroLeague Final Four MVP, a three-time Spanish League champion, a EuroBasket champion, a two-time Spanish Kings Cup champion, and a FIBA Intercontinental Cup champion. All this dude does on the big stage when the games matter the most is win. And I'm not saying that he's going to go out there and, and lead the Dallas Mavericks to an NBA title. Of course not, right? There, there's a reason that they're seventh in the West right now, okay? Nobody in their right mind would expect them to go up against the Lakers or Clippers and, and knock them out and beat them. But this guy has been in probably more uh, crazy, unusual circumstances and environments than any other player that's in the Orlando bubble right now. You know, we heard from LeBron James earlier in the show equating what's going on in Orlando to like an old AAU tournament. Uh, I, those old AAU tournaments, everyone everyone is accustomed. Luka Doncic has played in, in front of all sorts of arenas and environments throughout <laughs> his entire career in Europe, including in, in ones in with real games and real things at stake. I fully expect Luca to skip a, to not skip a beat. Uh, I know that this is the first time that he's played in the playoffs, but this is not the this is not his first time playing in a playoff atmosphere, and I, I would expect big things from him uh, down yeah, in Orlando. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. You, I, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm turning my back on Luka Doncic. No way, no how. Even if he does end up subbing his toe in his first playoff run. Again, he's the kid's young, and it's going to be his first playoff series with a lot of pressure on him. I just look at the way that he's perceived right now. The dude gets a lot of love, and I know how quickly we, and I say that as a collective NBA world, uh, turn our backs on players and try to pick on their their scabs as soon as there is an opportunity to do that. Like I look at, on, on basketball reference right now, if you go on the MVP tracker, Luka Doncic is fifth in the MVP race in terms of probability of winning it. He's above Kawhi Leonard, and he's only played three more games than Kawhi Leonard has. Like Kawhi Leonard is getting killed for you know sitting out and load management, whatever. Luka Doncic only played three more games, and it, it would be it'd be crazy for people to think that Kawhi Leonard finishes top five in MVP voting this season, and Luka Doncic is like a lock to finish third potentially. 
He might. I'm just saying. He might. It, it, it's a it's a lot of love. It's a it's a lot of love for a guy who who uh, again is in the second season, and uh, I I know what happens when 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 we start to love a player the minute he doesn't perform at the high level and in the bright lights. That's when we the, the narrative sort of flips on Luca. So I just wanted to know where we stand on him. Oh, well, you know where I stand. Luca, Luca's awesome. He's the man. <laughs> I don't expect him to tub. I'm not holding my breath for for any of that uh, toe stubbing nonsense. You know, he he does have an amazing coach in Rick Carlisle to get the most out of him and a Dallas team that has a number one offense in the NBA right now. And I mentioned Rick Carlisle because that is a segue into my next question. One of which is not going to be Rick Carlisle. But my question for you, Carlin, which coaches are on the hot seat? Oh, boy. You know, you know, it's my favorite topic. Well, let me. Okay. But before you just start slandering guys randomly here, I do. I did go through the list. And one one of the things that I find very interesting and peculiar about this season Right, like we get a coaching carousel every year. It's 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 part of the NBA. It's part of professional sports. It's just it's just it is what it is, right? But usually, when coaches are changing teams, it happens for teams that that, that are finishing in the lottery. It happens for for young teams, teams that are resetting, teams that are uh, just nowhere near contender status. But you look around the NBA, okay, and and we you know we talked a little bit earlier about about Mike Budenholzer. Uh, facing some pressure. I wouldn't go as far as to say that, you know, Bud is on the hot seat or anything. I, I think that that is ridiculous. But I do think that, you know, we talked about Mike D'Antoni in Houston. I think Brett Brown uh, in Philadelphia, Mike Malone in Denver. Uh, it's not a traditional hot seat per se, but could this be the last run for Greg Popovich? Uh, you know, I, I, those are like four incredible jobs and that's not even including the Nets who are already in the market, uh, you know, for, for a coach. I know they're not a contender now, but they certainly could be next year. That's like five marquee pristine jobs that could be open based on what happens down here in Orlando. The one coach you, I expected you to name that you did not name is the one that I actually think is on the hottest of seats. And that is Brett Brown in Philadelphia. Which is a phenomenal opportunity to coach two of the top, maybe 20 players in the NBA. And I'm being generous with the 20. They're probably even closer to 15. Uh, and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. He has not been able to figure it out with those two on the court. Maybe moving Ben Simmons to power forward maybe the move that saves his job. But it all depends on how they do in the playoffs. And really these eight, these eight seeding games. Like I know that there's no home court advantage. But if the 76ers uh, end up going 4-4 four and four in the eight seeding games, I don't think that's a good you know sign for this team to to keep Brett Brown as their head coach moving forward uh and 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 the east is only going to get tougher next season uh who knows what happens with the Raptors but the the Celtics are going to you know they're set up to 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 look good next year and beyond the Miami Heat have a ton of young talent if the Pacers could be healthy they could be a team and the Bucks aren't going anywhere and then you have Brooklyn who is going to be good next season uh regardless of who's coaching them uh heading into you know the 2020-21 season so the east isn't getting any easier and the Sixers who a lot of people, including myself, picked to make the NBA Finals, uh, they should be disappointed in the way the season's turned out. They're in sixth place, and uh, you know, if there wasn't a pause in the regular season, it's, whew, I, I mean, they, they are as lucky as any team right now in terms of 
the break happening when it did because Ben Simmons was hurt, Joel Embiid wasn't playing his best basketball, and Brett Brown looked like he was losing the team uh, as a whole. But maybe this break has brought them back together, and the next eight games plus is going to tell me, and it should tell Elton Brand as well, uh, who should be coaching this team going forward. Yeah, they, they, like you, they were my preseason pick to uh, to reach the NBA Finals. I am uh, firmly off of that bandwagon, needless to say. Uh, one thing that I that I do think uh, Brett Brown, I think, is getting a little bit of too much unfair grief right now. I, I, I've seen people, I, and I mean, I mean specific to right now, not overall. I think he, the, all of the criticism is is warranted. It's it's deserved. But, I, but I've seen a lot of people out there kind of uh, wondering why Brett Brown is not hitting the panic button, but tinkering so much with Ben Simmons and changing his position and moving him to power forward. All anyone's done for two years is ask for Brett Brown to try something new. And now that he's trying something new, people are all of a sudden jumping on him for trying something new. So uh, there is a little bit of a weird thing uh, going on with that. But I, I don't know. I, I just I think that the coaching uh, the coaching hot seats are just more interesting than usual and and worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, no question. And, and the fact that it's going to be such a short offseason, some teams may make a hire that they will regret in early January when the season gets uh, gets underway. Uh, who knows? You know, who knows who's coaching the Brooklyn Nets? Maybe Mark Jackson. Uh, that would be interesting. Um, oh, no. The Boston Celtics have, in my opinion, one of the best young players in the NBA. Uh, we just ranked our top players heading into the bubble over on NBA.com, ca.nba.com, and this dude made the top 10. Jason Tatum has been great for a portion of the regular season, but, I mean, he reached another level and cracked into the finally he's arrived sort of category and really tapped into that potential that we saw in his first playoff run as a rookie he, he, he's no longer afraid of who plays him on the other side of the court or who he's lined up against he's going right at some of the best players in the nba so in the bubble or coming out of the bubble will jason tatum cement his place as a top 10 player in the league uh, I think he will, and and I actually think that of of every player in the NBA, well, maybe maybe not Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, I would I would put with Tatum, but I, I'm not sure that there's a star player that has more to gain uh, in the next three months than Jason Tatum because you know you kind of go through the list, right? You go through all the great players, and you you kind of like we kind of know who they are, right? Like a t if if Giannis wins a title yeah it's great but like he's already a two-time MVP we know we know what Giannis is right we know who Kawhi is we know who LeBron is Damian Willard's an established star you know I I know that Harden and Westbrook have had some have had some postseason uh you know foibles to say the least but you know there's no doubt in anyone's mind that those guys are legitimate MVP bona fide superstars Tatum to me is the one guy that really has the opportunity to graduate up a class, uh, and I think he's got he's got a, a, a real chance to do it. Look, I still think that the Bucks are gonna just crush everybody and, and annihilate uh, everyone in the Eastern Conference, but I will say that Boston has been awesome against good teams this year. So uh, my our good buddies over at CleaningTheGlass.com, you can look at how teams have done just against top 10 teams in the league, okay? And, and, and if you look just at that, Boston is far and away the best team in the league. Against those teams specifically, the number two offense, 
the number one defense and the only teams better than them over the last 15 years are the the Durant Curry Golden State Warriors and the LeBron D Wade Heat like that's it that's how good they've wow. been against really good teams, right? So wow. you start looking at that, and I, I know that they don't have any size. Uh, I know that, that that's going to continue to be a problem. But look, Jason Tatum has the team around him where if he played, like if what we saw over the last 20, 25 games is real, he's on a team uh, that is good enough to fully harness that and, and make some real noise. And I, I, I'm not going to pick it to happen, but they can beat Milwaukee. Like they are good enough to do that. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I think they can they can catch them. When we were going through, when I was going through the list, and, and it will be available on NBA.com tomorrow, uh, the, the the top players heading into the bubble, top thirty players in the NBA heading into the bubble, and I saw Tatum at ten. I felt okay with it, and then I ran through the top ten list. And, and and tried to see, okay, is he in the class of these guys? And for the most part, I said yes. And, of course, the top 10 features everybody that you know, Giannis, you know, Kawhi, uh, LeBron, Luka, James Harden, AD, the list goes on and on. But we didn't have an opportunity to vote for guys who aren't at the, in the bubble. So, like, the Bradley Beals, who had an incredible season. I'm not saying he's a top 10 player, but he's he's been left off the ballot because he's not – playing in the restart Steph Curry uh he's a top 10 player in the league when he comes back and when he's healthy and and Kevin Durant is a top 10 player in the league when he comes back and when he's healthy so when you add everybody if everyone's healthy in the NBA heading into next season I don't know that Jason Tatum short of him winning finals MVP I don't know that Jason Tatum is going to crack that top 10 and that's not me killing him that's just me saying uh, the, the top 10 is so tough to crack nowadays that even though he's been really good and played like a top 10 player, I don't think he's at that top 10 status just yet. I may be, you know, I may come away with this being different, you know, by the time we get to September, October. But right now, as you sit here, I still have Steph Curry and Kevin Durant over these guys, uh, over Jason Tatum. And I, I don't know how he, he can leapfrog either of those guys to crack into the top 10. You know what is absolutely wild? I'm looking at our list that we filled out right now. You and I have identical top 12s. Identical. There's not one that difference. Never, that has never that, happened That is in the history. first time we, <laughs> I don't agree think we've anything. agreed on 12 things in two years we've been working together. <laughs> let alone 12 in one list. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I think thing. that's a, I think that's a that's a good call with Tatum, and you know we're going to talk about uh, Durant and 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 the top guys here in a little bit. So I don't want to I don't want to dive too much into there, but I, but I, I agree with you. I, I think I think Tatum Tatum if not in if not in the top ten, will it can firmly establish himself as in the conversation? Um, but uh, yeah, more on star players here in a minute. Uh, but I do want to keep talking about different a different type of star. So right. Last, last year, we had Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, Paul George, Kimball Walker, Jimmy Butler, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, and Al Horford all change teams in the offseason. It's a lot of guys to change teams. Now, a lot of that, obviously, is, is because of a loaded free agent class, uh, but not all of them, right? Like, Davis, Davis was traded, um, you know, as was Paul George and Russell Westbrook and yada, yada, yada. My question for you which star player is about to play the final game for his team? Wow! In Orlando. Whew. Um, well, well, a guy come, came to my mind immediately, and I don't know if he's a star. Uh, in fact, he's not a star. 
but I think he move he will move the needle for a really good team. He'll t- turn a good team to a championship team. And Aaron Gordon is my guy. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Gordon has been trying to have a breakout season in Orlando all year. Uh, of course, most people listening to this will just think of him as like a dunker. He, he is more than that. He, he's developed into a really nice NBA player. He could be the third piece on a really good team. Like I think of teams that have an already established duo. If you add Aaron Gordon to that, I, I think that turns you into a, a solid contender. Um, and I think that his time in Orlando was up, especially if you're the Orlando Magic, where you have a million big men uh, who are all young and they're the most redundant pieces that you have in the entire NBA. It's time for Aaron Gordon to move on and, and contribute to a, a really good team. Uh, and, and that could be uh, you know, a team like you know, Miami or I'm just throwing it out there without knowing uh, if it could fit into the cap situation. But I'm thinking of teams like Miami that are just right there or, or, or the Nuggets that are just right there. Or if the Thunder stay together, they're just right there. Maybe even Dallas, they're just right there. Uh, those are the teams I think of where if you add an Aaron Gordon, that could change everything for them going forward. I agree. I think Aaron Gordon, I, that's a great call. I think that he's a player that is just not in the right spot and that he's going to blossom. Uh, all the teams that you listed are 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 really interesting fits. Another one I, w- I would throw out there is Portland. I think he'd be really, mm-hmm. really fun to watch uh, next to Dame uh, yeah. over there. The, the, the one guy that I kind of have uh, circled in mind, and he's not a... I, he, I think he, he, is an, he is certainly an all-star, and he's a star. I, he's not in that top 10 conversation that we were talking about earlier. I think this might be it for Rudy Gobert in Utah. Uh, Gobert is up for a Supermax uh, due to being a two-time defensive player of the year. <laughs> Uh, so I, you know, I, I think that he's probably not getting, uh, the supermax <laughs> offer from Utah, needless to say. Uh, but you know, given, given just the friction, uh, between him and him and Donovan Mitchell, I wonder, I wonder if there's a scenario in, w- in which Gobert is a big name, uh, that's traded this off season, uh, depending on what happens with Utah. I know that like bigs aren't really in style and, and there's, there's a, uh, kind of a, a movement going away from from guys that are sort of like Gobert, but he he's a guy that I have circled as uh, you know p- potential big big target for this summer. I, I'm this fall, a part I of this, yeah, <laughs> the fall for sure. I'm a part of this list as well, where uh, I think Rudy Gobert has has been getting crushed a little too much. I know that the league is going away from guys like him. Uh, but he's still a really good rim protector. He still can, you know, be a factor in terms of pick and roll. You, I mean, the Utah fan base will tell you how much his screen assists matter to their offense. Like he's still something, someone that you can use uh, on your basketball team. Like I think having a Rudy Gobert on your team makes it better uh, rather than if, having him on the bench. Like I, I, I'm going to stop I mean, you right there, though. I'm going to stop you right there because the the first time when you immediately resort to his screen assists are valuable. <laughs> I, you, you just told me everything you need to, everything I need to know. Yeah, but I'm he's a little underrated a, now. He's, I'm not he's giving, underrated I'm, now. I'm not giving. I'm not giving a rim protecting screen setter two hundred and fifty million dollars, let alone two hundred million. Oh no, 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 no. You're, you're right. I'm not. I'm not giving him the super max. I'm just saying that. 
he's still a valuable piece and could be a contributor to winning basketball, regardless of whether or not the big man is becoming extinct or his style of big man is becoming extinct, uh, regardless of whether or not the Houston Rockets can play him off the floor in a seven-game series. I mean, those are very unique circumstances that Houston has been able to, to, to kind of create with the style of play. Not 29 teams aren't doing that to Rudy Gobert is what I'm trying to say. So he still has value in the league until uh, we see otherwise. And he's still one of the... He's an all-time great defender. Like he, he's going to be mentioned amongst the all-time great defenders that we have ever played this league. And we're sitting here talking like he's Thon Maker or something. I, you just you just keep uh, dreaming about those screen assists all day, baby. I'll take him. I'll take him. Uh, <laughs> my last question for you, my friend, is what will the Thunder do? Very open-ended question. Uh, in fact, off air, you had to ask me exactly what the heck I was talking about. Uh, so I'll go this way with it. <laughs> that that uh, won't the, be the first time or last time that happens. <laughs> the, Thunder, the Thunder are in an interesting situation, in my opinion. I don't think anyone expected them to be as good as they have been uh, with the talented young pieces that they have. Like They just got an absolute bargain on a starter in Lugens Dort who was making uh, you know less money than some bankers here in Charlotte. Uh, and and the, he, they, I mean, they have a million draft picks over the next couple of years that they could even draft, develop, and sign players, or package them up and move for uh, to attract a star and, and try to uh, and try to convince him to stay, much like they did with Paul George when when they went out and acquired him. Um, it it all depends to me on how they end the bubble. If this team gets the second round. I think that you have to transition from maybe a rebuilding situation to we're pretty close. Maybe uh, you know a trade here or there can kick us into that upper echelon uh, in the Western Conference. Um, because you would look at that upper echelon in the Western Conference right now. Obviously, the Clippers and Lakers are one and two, and they're head and shoulders above everybody. But then there's just a mix which the Thunder are currently in, and they're supposed to be rebuilding. Like, would you, if the next five years, would you take what the Thunder have in terms of their assets in their current roster over what the Nuggets have in their, in their assets in their current roster and their ability to, to improve the roster as is? you would probably take the Thunder because of what they have to offer a, a, another uh, you know, superstar or another team that has a superstar I, uh, on the roster, right? No, I would take Denver uh, because I think you, Denver, Denver has the one thing that Oklahoma City doesn't have, and that is a certifiable, bankable, no doubt about it, like top eight, top nine guy. Like, Jokic, like Chris Paul just had... A phenomenal season, okay? He's going to finish in the top five in MVP voting. Uh, I think you even made a case for him to be to be first-team All-NBA, which is... It, it, I, look, w- whether or not I agree with you is beside the point. If 12 months ago you had said, hey, I'm going to write an article next year at the end <laughs> of the season about how Chris Paul is going to be a first-team All-NBA, like, I I would look at you even crazier than I look at you already, right? <laughs> but I, So I, I think that, like, Oklahoma City... Uh, their success this season has hinged upon a 35-year-old point guard enjoying one of the best seasons of his career and finally staying healthy. Uh, which I'm not—I'm just—I'm not sure that you can count on that happening, uh, especially given the fact that he's owed 85 million dollars over the next two years. Uh, and look, aside from that, I mean, you mentioned all the draft picks and pick swaps, which is great. Like we also—we just—we don't know how good Shea Gilgis Alexander is going to be. I think he's going to be great. 
Uh, but he could also just be very good, and right? And there's a big difference, right? If if SGA turns into a Jokic-type top eight player, then like, yeah, you're set, you're great, right? But there's no, there's no guarantee that he gets there, right? Like he could, I don't think he could just as will. easily, he could just he as easily be. You don't think he will? So so he's no. gonna be like a a second tier, third tier star, like a like a Victor Oladipo type guy, right? Or maybe a right. Jimmy Butler. Or... No, I don't even think he's going to be that. I, I think that, I, I'm trying to say that, even like, they, they, you're right, Jokic is the, is the ultimate, you know, uh, he's the ultimate trump card. But with the assets that the Thunder have, they can go and potentially get someone as good as Jokic and and build around what they have. Like, the only thing that the, the that's the only thing that the Nuggets have that the Thunder don't. Jamal Murray and and SGA right now is a toss up, and SGA is not even fully developed yet. I think we know what Jamal Ooh, Murray kind of is, right? Right now, you think that's yeah. a toss up. I, I, well, let me see SGA in the playoffs. I'll take that back. Let me see SGA in the playoffs. I'll take Jamal Murray today, but let SGA go through a playoff run, and and we'll see. Like if if you gave SGA another superstar, not named Chris Paul. And and he could play with him, or even you add another superstar uh, to Chris Paul, and you play alongside that. Like that is a really good team. And then the Thunder leapfrog the Nuggets, in my opinion, in, in terms of the pecking order in the Western Conference for the next five years. Like we still don't know what what the Nuggets have with MPJ. We, I mean, don't get me started on Bull Bull, and the list goes on with, with some <laughs> of the pieces that they have in Denver. Like beyond Jokic. And a part of Jamal Murray, you're hoping that he becomes more consistent. You're not really sure what you have in Denver beyond that. Utah's the same situation. Like, what do they what do they do this season with Rudy Gobert and what they get back for him if they were able to move him? It means a lot. Like they tried to go and swing with Mike Conley, it didn't work out, and they're they're no better than the Thunderheart this season. The Rockets, we we just talked about off the top. Who knows what happens beyond this year? And the Mavericks will probably still wait for them. Uh, maybe Porzingis gets back to being the All Star level, and then it's not even a conversation. I think both of us will probably take the Mavericks if Porzingis gets back to being what he should be. So. I think in the West, it's up for grabs, and it depends to me this season what the Thunder do in the playoffs. If they go to the second round and look good and they're tough out in the second round, I think they have to rethink what they're doing going forward rather than just saying, well, roll the ball out there and, and see what happens with all these assets that we have. I think they could swing for the fences if they have Chris Paul, who's going to be making a lot of money for the next two years. Yeah, SGA to me is there might not be a big a bigger current wild card in the league in terms of potential star potential you if you were to ask someone you know who are who are going to be the best players in the nba in five years right you're going to get you're going to get luca and you're going to hear zion and you're going to hear trey young and you're going to hear john morant you're going to hear jason tatum you don't really ever hear sga mentioned in that caliber uh Mm -hmm. But I, but I think he could get there, uh, and so I, I just I think his evolution specifically uh, over the next year, because I, I do think look he's not going to reach his peak uh, in a year, obviously. But I think one year from now, I think we'll have a lot more insight as to just what that peak might be, uh, and 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 it could be the peak of an incredibly special player. Um, what would you do before we go speak- to your your question? What would you yeah. do? What what? So I give you that scenario: the Thunder go to the second round, they they peter out, probably losing six games, but they look good doing so. What do you do going forward in in, in the fall now? If you're Sam Presti, I if I'm Sam Presti, I am crossing my fingers and I am hoping that the Sixers fall apart, 
and then I am picking up the phone, I'm calling out Brand, I'm putting every one of those picks on the table, and I'm trying to get either Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons. Okay. So you're so you're because trying I just, to win. I, I don't, you're trying to I'm win. Trying to win. I, look, I okay. think I think the allure of draft picks is great, but it's also an incredibly dangerous game to play. Like you can hold on to them too long, and then congratulations, you have a bunch of picks that in 2024 or 2025 that are in the 20s, right? They're great now because no one knows what they might be, but it also might end up just being a bunch of guys that end up being sixth men, seventh men, right? right? Like I, I, if it was me, I'm, I'm, I am finding and targeting a star that has like three or four more years on a deal. I'm not, I'm not doing it to do a one year rental on anybody, right? That's not worth it. If, if you're in a market like Oklahoma City, you can't mortgage that many future assets for what might be for a, for a Kawhi and Toronto situation, right? But uh, I, I don't know. I, I would look to package those, but that's just me. I don't know. The Kawhi and Toronto situation, even though they lost yeah. them, was still, it's still pretty good. It's, it's worth pointing out too, though, that the Sam Presti's been a, is a pretty phenomenal drafter, right? Uh, yeah. You know, he's he's got a pretty good track record with with turning draft picks into into prime assets. So, uh, one of those prime assets uh, that Sam hmm. Presti drafted way back in the day was Mr. Kevin Durant, and that is a segue into our final, our tenth and final question, which is, will Kevin Durant be left behind? And I, I say that hinging on the conversation that will be raging over the next couple of months of is LeBron the best player in the league? Is it Kawhi or is it Giannis, right? We got the three of these guys on the three title favorites uh, by far, right? It's those three teams and then everybody else. It's those three players and then everybody else with, with apologies to guys like James Harden and, and Damian Lillard. I, I wonder if Kevin Durant is going to be sitting at home watching these playoffs unfold, watching Talking Heads, listening to radio, following crazy people like you on Twitter, and wondering, <laughs> why am I being left out of the discussion? I, I, I just Will Kevin Durant be left behind is, I think, one of those questions that is a bigger picture conversation that I, that I think could happen uh, depending on how, how the next couple of months unfold. I, I think the answer is no. Um, you know, Katie is, in my my opinion, he's easily a top five player in the NBA. But let's let's not forget that the dude was like in conversation of being the best player in the NBA when we last saw him healthy. Like he, I I think you know the, the, when the, the Warriors won their last championship. Uh, Kevin Durant was, you know, for, in most people's minds, the best player in the NBA. Obviously, things have changed. Giannis has stepped up. Kawhi is now healthy. We know what he can do. And LeBron's still LeBron on a, on, a, on a really good Laker team. But Kevin Durant, if he's able to get back to what he was uh, before he got hurt, he's in a conversation and people won't forget that. I think people will forget about Kyrie Irving, though. I, I think people will forget how good Kyrie Irving uh, can be. And that may be the difference in between a lot of people sleeping on Brooklyn next season uh, and, and, and how far they go uh, with those two guys healthy. Um, but I, I don't think people forget what Kevin Durant is or uh, it, will he be left out of the conversation, especially by the time uh, a champion is crowned. So I have a question. For you. Do you think do you think that, you know, do you think if he comes back fully healthy that Kevin Durant can still be the best player in the NBA? Yes, I do. I do. I, okay. I, I, but 
it, it, we're drawing straws because at the end of the day, I think every year it'll be like it'll be like crowning a new champion every every at the end of every season where whoever ends up being the finals MVP that year is going to get the title as best player of the year if it's either Kevin Durant, Kawhi, or or LeBron. So my other follow up question to that is, can you ever remember a time ever in the history of the league where? At any point, there are four players, four different players who could make a legitimate case to becoming to being the best player in the league. Because I can't. Like that's outrageous to me. I, I can't even think of of a time where there's been more than two, right? Let alone four. Like if you were to ask four people, you might get four different answers, which is crazy. I think, I think it's awesome. I think this is easily the the only time that we've had it where we've had a generationally dominant player that's had that because when Michael was playing, obviously. You know, MJ would would you know suck up all the air in the room. But the year that he left, I think you could have made an argument for either Akeem Elijah, Juan David Robinson. You know, Shaq was still kind of young, but Patrick Ewing was in the mix, and he he had been doing some th- you know some stuff. So there was a, a, a legitimate argument, and and it was up for grabs. Akeem obviously took it, but you could have made an argument for a David Robinson or, like I said, a, a Patrick Ewing at that time. Even even you know Charles Barkley, uh, you know, who was a little bit later in his career. So there was it, it's it's never been done where the best player in the league you know or the best generational talent has been there like when when before you know when jordan retired the second time like it was up for grabs it's kevin garnett it was tim duncan it was Shaq. it was there was kobe in the mix um but right now we have lebron and you can make the argument that it's not him he's not the best player in the league which is weird yeah i just i I, i'm just i'm fascinated and i I, I love I, I love it when the best teams all also have the best players. Uh, I know some people might might think that it's boring, but like if if we get LeBron and Kawhi, and then the winner of that gets to face off against Giannis, it's it's gonna be awesome. You can't ask for anything oh, better. Oh man, oh man! Just just pray that Mike Bunozer doesn't stump his toe on the uh, on the, <laughs> to the, to the championship. Uh, my man, it has been fun. We had those are ten questions. Um, we are going to have meaningful basketball on Thursday on TNT. It is going to be incredible. I can't wait. The game actually starts a little earlier, so uh, bump your 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 dinner time up a little bit if you are on the East Coast, uh, West Coast people. They're uh, they're patiently waiting for uh, for the Lakers Clippers game to start. Uh, that might start at dinner time for them as well, so they're gonna have to bump their dinner time up. Uh, but has been a blast. Uh, pretending that the basketball didn't go away for as long as it did. Uh, but we now get to talk about real basketball here on NBA Sound System. And uh, do we have any predictions? You remember, you remember well, I was going to say, do you remember when we spent an hour talking about the 98 Jazz? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. Great <laughs> time. Like it feels like a ago. year ago. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. By the way, the, the perfect cycle. You can go back and listen to all that stuff that's in the archives right now. NBA Sound System, tell your friends and subscribe, rate, and review. Helps us out a ton. All right, give me a prediction. Who's in the finals now? Uh, we, I was Lakers, Sixers at the beginning of the season. I think you were Sixers, Clippers. What what's your uh, sense now that we're down to twenty two teams? I got I got the uh, the Clippers taking out the Bucks, and it's going to be a Finals MVP number three from Mr. Kawhi Leonard. Wow! What about yourself? All right, uh, Clippers are, are I, I've gotten off the Lakers, and uh, I talked myself off of them. I think the Clippers just have too much. I like the Celtics, Micah. No Ooh, one's talking about them. Let's go. If, if Kemba Walker could be healthy. 
I, we talked about Jason Tatum and what he means to them, but also Jalen Brown has also leveled up quietly and no one's talking about them. If they're able to get through the East, which I think they can, the big series for them is going to be against the Raptors in the second round. If they're able to get past that, I could see them being the Milwaukee Bucks. They'll get swept in the finals, but at least they'll be there. <laughs> I, I, that's amazing. Clippers Celtics is my finals, and I do have the Clippers winning the NBA title with Kawhi Leonard being the first player well, to ever win forward, finals MVP three t- different times. I look, I look forward to giving you uh, plenty of credit when the, the Celtics stubbed their toe four straight times in the finals against the Clippers. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, they're not winning a game against that Clippers team. Uh, that's all we have for you this week. We'll be back same time, same channel, 3 p.m. Eastern time, right here across the NBA Global Network. For Micah Adams, I am Carlin Gay. Enjoy the start of the regular season or restart. The boys are back in town. 22 teams, NBA basketball is back. Oh, you got to love it. We'll see you next week.